Today, we're going to be looking at a story of lies, deception, and love triangles. Basically, a reality TV show that teaches us about God. Well, welcome to Daily Gospel, equipping you to know God through His Word and His Son, Jesus Christ. Uh, This is Pastor Brandon. I'm Pastor Keith. Welcome, and we hope you uh, are going to enjoy the, today's episode. Yeah, I was really hoping that you were going to um, introduce that with a, a rendition of Stairway to Heaven. Oh, that that would have been good. very appropriate for today, and I just would love to hear that. <laughs> hear you do the guitar solo vocally. I can't play guitar. <laughs> well, no, through your mouth. You know? Oh, I see. You know, yeah. Yeah, okay. um, but before we get started, I did want to share. I wish I had this with me. I meant to bring it, um, but I, I wanted to share just because... I thought this illustration perfectly encapsulated how I hope our people read their, read their Bibles. Um, me and my wife went on a trip recently, and, uh, and we were given a guidebook by Kate Epperson because she had been to the, to the same place. And um, th- uh, you're going to ask me where we went because I really want you to ask me where we went. Where'd you go? So we went to this place called Hawaii. I know it's, it's like Hawaii? a new place for me. Wait, yeah. you're a pastor and you had money to go to Hawaii? Yeah, well, yeah, I know. It's during COVID, so you have Jeez. to, you know, risk not being able to go. if you can H- make Have you ever test, lived in Hawaii? I have not ever been to Hawaii, actually. Mm, wow. I lived there before. Okay, yeah. okay. Well, this is my first time out of the U.S. in a very long time. So um, okay. so we went to, went to Hawaii, this distant land, and um, we got this guidebook, and I, I wish I could show it to you because it was full of like notes in the margins and like all these pieces of paper stuck in there. Rich like, details. I like, like bookmarking, like, like she was so ready to go to Hawaii. Kate Epperson was that she, by the way, Kate Epperson is a member at GCC. Yeah. She's on, she's on staff with us. Um, but I just, I loved it. I was, I was having a good laugh at this, but I thought it was so great. Cause I'm like, that's how we should be reading our Bible. We should be marking it up. We should be uh, really engaging with it. We should be looking for the treasures that are here. Mm, amen. And, uh, and so it's a little cheesy, but man, I thought that was, I thought it was so good. So, so thank you, Kate, for that guidebook. Helped us a lot, but also, uh, yeah. Next thing you're going to tell me that Hawaii is actually part of the U S which I, I will not believe. Yeah, it's, it's much different than the mainland over here. Anyway, today we're actually going to be talking about the Bible, not Hawaii. Um, we're actually going to be discussing uh, Genesis 23 through uh, chapters 36. Hopefully we can get through all that in this time. I think we can. Um, but let's review a little bit of what we've seen so far in the book of Genesis. So what's been going on in our story so far? Yeah, so obviously, I mean, the first two sections we covered in the last two weeks, you can see them online, but um, there's so much in them that we can't you know, a- adequately cover them. But some of the big themes that we're seeing are the themes of, of land. We saw that God gives a place to Adam and Eve, that they're removed from the land, but that Abraham uh, is, is called as a new people, and he's going to live in the land, the promised land, the land of Canaan. So land is a big theme. Also the theme of blessing. God is going to bless his people. When he creates humanity, he blesses them. Mm. And then we see that there's a lot of, of negative things that happen after humanity sins, but that God has a plan to bring blessing back into the world through, through Abraham in particular. So Abraham's going to be a blessing. He's going to be blessed, but he'll also bring blessing to all the nations of the earth. That's God's promise to him. And then we also see this promise of a seed hmm. or it might be like a, like a apple seed or what kind no, of seed? Um, so the word, so we talked about the word in Hebrew is, is Zerah. It means offspring. So in my translation, it's usually translated as offspring. It's a big key word, but it literally means seed, meaning the, the offspring or the descendants of somebody. So that's the idea is um, the seed. We're looking for 
um, the offspring to continue. And this promise in Genesis 3.15 is really the biggest statement in Genesis, which was that there's going to come a seed from the woman who will crush the serpent. All right. So the book of Genesis, you can't understand it unless you're seeing that those big ideas. Right. Land, yeah. seed, and blessing. And the entire book is structured by what are called these, these toledotes. That's, sort of, that's the word in Hebrew, but um, we get our, the word Genesis from that word. But it's whenever we see this phrase, now these are the generations of so-and-so. Right. right? And it happens uh, a bunch of times in the book of Genesis, and it's, it's a way of structuring the book, but it's also a way of showing us that the seed promise is continuing. Right. That God is working in the midst of all these events to bring about eventually the promised Messiah will bring salvation. Mm. Yeah, that's great. And you can't even understand the Old Testament at all without those three things, land, seed, and blessing. And if, you like, if you're getting lost in your Bibles during this, the course of reading your Bible through a year, um, look for those key things, because that's what the whole Old Testament is about, and it just continually narrows down, and it ultimately culminates in Jesus Christ. So That's right. Um, well, awesome. Well, let's, let's get into Genesis. Let's start with chapter 23. Um, what's happening here, Brandon? So we're at the end of the life uh, of Abraham. We're getting toward the end, I guess, I guess we should say. Right. And um, we actually see in 23 that uh, that his wife, Sarah, passes away. And there's very this sad. whole... Very yeah, sad. Yeah, very, very tragic. But there's this whole chapter, and maybe as you were reading, it was confusing for you. I, I don't know. For me, this was often a confusing chapter because there's all this detail about this bargaining that's happening mm. for a, a burial place for Sarah. Right. Um, so the whole chapter is devoted to this and it seems really not that important, but what's happening here is in this time in ancient Near East, there was a certain select group of people that could own land. I mean, this is like the elite of society. So not just anyone could buy land. Yes. If you had the cash, you couldn't just walk up and put your coin in the vending machine and get no. some land. Yeah. And for one thing, you probably wouldn't have the cash, but right. yeah, even if you had it, you couldn't just go and say, I want to be part of this special club. It was, right. it was a really selective group. And once you were in that club, then you were able to purchase land, mm. but it was very hard to get into it. So Abraham's been promised the land of Canaan, but at this point he doesn't own any of the land of Canaan. Right. He's, he's still sojourning. He's still wandering around, but he doesn't own any of it. So what this chapter is about is it's about Abraham staking his first real claim in the promised land by buying this field in Machpelah. Yeah. Cause there's this weird exchange where he's like, oh, you can have the land, Abram. Abraham, like, just take it. You don't need to buy it. Just take it. Yeah, yeah. So that's, that's verse 4, right? He says, <laughs> and this is what is often confusing for us. Verse 4, he says, uh, you know, uh, I'm a sojourner and a, and a foreigner among you. Give me a property among you as a burying place. Mm -hmm. And then the Hittites respond in verse 6, Hear us, my Lord. You're a prince of God among us. They're, very, they're honoring him, right? Mm -hmm. Bury your dead in the choicest of our tombs. None of us will withhold from you his tomb to hinder you from burying your dead. So there's, they're saying... You can bury your dead wherever you want. Right. But Abraham's not okay with that. So he says, he's saying, no, no, I need to pay the price. So he calls out this cave of Machpelah, and he says in verse 9, for the full price, let him give it to me in your presence as a property for a burying place. Mm -hmm. So he wants to pay the full price, and he keeps emphasizing this heavily because he wants it to be clear to everyone that he's not just somebody who is been given a, a spot to bury his dead, that he's an, a land owner. That's a very different thing. So he's trying to stake that claim based on God's promises to him. So they, they kind of argue back and forth. And I love in verse 14, um, that the guy he's bargaining with says, um, 
was it verse 14? It was 15. He says, my, my Lord, listen to me. A piece of land worth 400 shekels of silver. What is that between you and me? Bury your dead. Right. Right. So this is, this is now the bargaining has officially begun. He goes, ah, oh, you know, 400 shekels of silver, no big deal. Right now, this is a, an exorbitant rate for this, this property. Yeah. Um, we, see, we actually see in 2 Samuel 24, 24, that David like buys a land plot is bought of land. for super way cheaper than that, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he buys he buys the plot of land where the the temple will be built for fifty shekels of silver, mm. and they're asking four hundred for a cave. So it, this is this is way out of line. And as soon as Abraham hears the price, he goes sold. <laughs> he doesn't bargain. He do, he just says, "I will pay you all that money right away." Uh, but why? Okay, why is it worth it though? How does this fit in with the story? Like. Okay, yeah, Abraham wants to bury his wife, who, whom he loves, and he's paying this exorbitant rate for this this plot of land, and it is connected to God's promise. But what's what's so important about him owning this land right here? Because this is him staking a claim in God's promise, right? Him, him holding on to the fact that God has given him this wealth, that God's going to give him this land. He'll do whatever it takes hmm. to lay hold of that. So that's that's really what we're seeing in in chapter fourteen, because chapter twenty three, because you have to, um, if you want to be a nation, you have to have a lot of things, but one of them is you have to have land. I mean, that's one of the biggest things. You have to have a place where we can identify this is where that nation I think resides. this is questionable these days. Well, <laughs> the different topic, I guess. But So that's 23. And then in 24, we see, so we see land focused on in 23. And then right. the seed or the offspring is focused on in 24. Right. Right. So there's this whole long story. We won't get into it in detail, but it's a very important thing that Isaac, the, the offspring of of Abraham carries on the family line. Mm-hmm. So we see this emphasis and, and God wants, uh, or yeah, God wants, but also the parents want Isaac to marry someone who's actually of their people. Right. So he has to go and seek out, not, not someone who's part of the Canaanites who are accursed people right. and who are an evil people in a lot of ways, but um, someone from Abraham's family. Yeah. So it's not, be a not too relative. close a family, but family enough. Well, we've already seen that that uh, incest was a little bit different back then. It's, and, and, you know, Abraham's married to his, you know, uh, half-sister. Well, right. she's now, she's resting in peace. But um, he was, right? So that was a common thing back then. But we've already kind of addressed that, I think. But what happens in this story is is interesting because the servant is sent by Abraham to go and to claim a, a, a wife for Isaac, which, you know, I think every guy wishes this is how it had gone down, right? Just... Find me a wife. Yeah. Just, you know, I don't have to deal with any of the drama. Exactly. Just, just tell pick me one. what's up, right? Just pick a good one. Um, but uh, he he asked for a sign from God, and he the sign he asked for is he's gonna he's gonna ask this woman for a drink. Yeah, from a well that he's gonna be waiting at, right? Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So you're gonna go to a well. He's like, oh yeah. man, God, please please show me the the woman for Isaac, and which is pretty baller on this guy's part. I mean, he's being pretty faithful and saying, God, show me a sign. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, he knows he's got no chance of picking the right woman, right? So like most of us, like, I don't, I don't know. Um, so he's like, I, this is a big responsibility, right? So you ask God for a sign. He says, when I ask a woman for a drink, let her say, I'll, I'll water your camels too, right? So he how many How many camels woman. are there here, actually? 10 camels. Yeah. So it says earlier that he has 10 camels. I don't know if any of you guys listening have fed any kind of like larger livestock animal. They eat a ton of water, drink a ton of water. They, they eat also water. eat water. Yeah. Yeah. yeah um, exactly. No. The, yeah. A, a thirsty camel. I looked it up actually on nationalgeographic.com. Oh 
National Geographic never lies to us. Um, a thirsty camel can drink 30 gallons of water. Mm. 30 gallons. And they put in the hump in their back, right? That's where that's, the story is. No, that's not, that's not true. Um, so we're talking 300 gallons of water that, for 10, 10 camels, right? That's, that's 20, or sorry, 2,500 pounds of water. So he's, he wants this woman to go from this to the well, right? Pull up the thing, pour it in the bucket, run back to him, pour it out. This is actually, this is actually, I looked this up too. This is actually a CrossFit exercise. I, I kid you not. This is a CrossFit <laughs> exercise. The camel, the camel, uh, <laughs> quench. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you people are doing CrossFit, think you're, <laughs> think you're, uh, awesome. Just go back to the ancient Near East. Yeah. No, she, she was pretty buff. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so anyway, so, but the, the idea here is that he wants a woman who's has the heart of a servant. Right. right. And, and Rebecca has that. She does this amazing thing. And so he lavishes on her these gifts and he's introduced to her family. And we mm-hmm. see this guy, uh, Laban, come to the forefront right away. Oh, Laban's a great guy. Yeah. He's sort of the ringleader. He's already kind of conniving to get what he wants, but brother of Rebecca. Yes. Yep. But long story short, um, Rebecca comes back and Isaac is excited and gets married. And, uh, and we see Abraham's descendants at 25, and we see the story of Jacob and Esau quickly hmm. become kind of the, the forefront of the story. Because Jacob is, of course, going to be known as, as Israel. Right. So, so 20, 25 is a really interesting thing. So Jacob, I just love the story of Jacob so much. Jacob is such he's a complicated a, character. Yeah, he's a, he is. I mean, as with so many characters in the Bible and people in the Bible, like they're not just good people their whole life, or they're not just consistent their whole life, but they change over time. And that's a... It's a crazy thought to, to look at the characters of the Old Testament and to see them change. Even their names are changed, you know, by God over the course of, of their story. And it, I mean, it just, I think it shows to us that God can make us change. Yeah. 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 God, God doesn't work through, um, through perfect models. Right. He works through real people. Mm. He works through people like us. He gives his promises to people that are completely undeserving of it. And Jacob is so complicated, right? He makes huge mistakes but he also has some victories in his life and ultimately it's god's grace on jacob that's really the theme of of this whole story right so we see we see first of all that there's a miraculous birth um we see rebecca is barren right where we see she's barren and that isaac pleads and prays to god for his wife and that god gives her conception and i just i mean i've noticed a lot in genesis as we read through it, just how many women struggle with infertility in the story. Yeah. It's an, it's an amazing thing. And God always seems to mention that in in the Bible. And it just shows to me, God has a big heart for people who are going through situations like that. Yeah. It won't always result in, in having kids. Right. But God, I mean, God's woven those, but it's a part of God's plan, right? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Like God's in control. And like, we we'll talk about this a little bit later, but like, through this whole story, like you're introduced to all these different characters and the story of the seed and the promise and the blessing coming through. But look for the nuggets whenever it says, and God was in control or God made this happen or um, God's the one making this choice and choosing this person or that person or making someone have a kid. Like God is in control of the whole story. And it's it's amazing to see God's sovereignty and God's control and God shaping the course of history. And it's not just these random people making random choices. But it's yeah. God's story. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. This this is God is the is the main character in the story for sure. So we we see that that there are these two children. So she she conceives and she conceives with twins, right? Mm-hmm. She gets way more than she bargained for with yeah. this. But um, 
and they're they're kind of warring within her. There's like mm-hmm. a struggle, and, I, and we both have pregnant wives, so we know <laughs> that the the one baby can cause a lot of turmoil, but two babies must be much worse. Um, and God actually gives this prophecy to Rebecca, mm-hmm. right? Two in verse nations. 23. Yeah, two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other. The older shall serve the younger. So that last line is really mm-hmm. the key thing, right? That it's actually Jacob who's going to be cho- the younger the younger son, I should say, who's not named yet, but he's going to be chosen over the older son. Right. So, uh, uh, and many people have asked, you know, why why would God choose Jacob and not Esau? Well, I mean, almost even, you know, even Rebecca asks God here, if, you know, just right before that, that prophecy in 22 says, if it is thus, why is it that this is happening to me? Like, mm-hmm. if this is like, God, you've blessed me with children. You've given me this great thing. Like, why is it that there's conflict? A lot of us ask that question when we're getting, when we've received some kind of blessing or we have a certain lot in life or circumstances aren't what we think they should. And we're like, why is it this way, God? Yeah. God has a plan. That's the whole point of this. <laughs> like God's showing his people that they have a plan, you know, that he has a plan for them. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, <clears throat> and why does he choose the younger? We're, we're never really given an answer. We'll look mm-hmm. at a little bit at the end at... Um, what that points us toward. But all we can say here is that Jacob, as we'll see in his life, was not more deserving than Esau of God's love. Really? He, he wasn't. I mean, they both make, they both are terrible people. Let's just be real. Yeah. Um, <laughs> God works in their life, in, in Jacob's life, but on their own, they make a ton of mistakes. So, so God, but God chooses one. And then we actually see that there's big contrast between Jacob and Esau. Mm-hmm. So there's, there's a few things. So first, it says, verse 25 of chapter 25, it says, the first came out red, all his body like a hairy cloak. Mm. So they called his name Esau. Um, this is, that's weird. That's super weird. I mean, weird. I'm all for being hairy as a dude. But I'm, I was kind of worried because um, Molly, my wife's last ultrasound, um, I guess they could see like a lot of hair on the kid. Whoa. And I was like, I was scared that my kid's going to be like Esau here. Yeah, I mean, roll with it, dude. Roll with it. <laughs> Sounds awesome. Um, and then we see that Jacob is actually smooth. So he's he's a, a smooth man. This There's a contrast there. We see that Esau is a hunter, mm. and Jacob is a, a quiet man. It says in verse tense. 27. Yeah. Hangs out when the, when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. I wonder if he was, like, super pale... You know, like he's like gaming in his yeah, tent. Yeah, get a nerd out. Like, you know, yeah, I don't, I, I don't really understand. I, I, I don't understand the dwelling in tents thing. Like they both, anyway. They both yeah, but in. is that is that like the pampered guy? Like who oh, he lives in tents. Like that's like rugged for us today. Yeah, right? But different characters, right? Different yeah, personalities. But, uh, who knows? Who knows? And even like yeah, they're. Well, I guess we'll talk about that in a second. Yeah, and then it says that there's actually a, a difference between them and how their parents view them. Yeah. So so Isaac loved Esau, verse 28, because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. Mm-hmm. And I love, it's, it's funny. So, that, so what we see here is that there's two different, there's favorites. Dad has a favorite, mom has a favorite. Mm. What's funny though is Do you is have favorites why, in your household? I, I don't disclose any of that information. No, okay. of course, I don't, <laughs> I don't have favorites, of course. Um, this is bad parenting. But what's funny to me, though, is not just that there's, there's favorites. What's funny is why it says that Isaac loves Esau. Mm-hmm. It says he loves him because he grills awesome meat. That's basically, <laughs> that's the modern trans, that's the living translation. Uh, in other words, Esau was a Traeger guy, right? He had his Traeger, and he made the best meat, and his dad loved him because of it. Like, he'd go out and hunt game and cook it for his dad. 
it. What dad wouldn't like that? It's so it's so sad. It's so pathetic. And we even see it when, we, when it comes to the blessing time, right? God is our our uh, Jacob is favoring or I sorry Isaac. I'm, I'm really confused. Isaac is favoring Esau because he likes his food. Right. It's just a bizarre thing, and it's and it's Isaac should have responded to this promise of God that the older will serve the younger by by n- not favoring one, but by saying, teaching Esau, yeah, but your brother is going to be the one parenting. who's going to, yeah. yeah. So anyway, so we see this, um, the first, the first kind of interaction we have between the two, um, that's, that's sort of negative is, uh, well, I should say, first of all, Jacob's name. Oh, means, it's a good name. Yeah. Jacob's name means deceiver. It literally, it, so it's literally means one who grasps the heel. So the idea is like in a wrestling, it's like a deceptive move. It's kind of the idea. So a deceiver or basically liar. Hmm. that's Jacob's name. Um, so this is not, it's not going to bode well. And it shows exactly how Jacob lives his life. He lives up to his name for sure. And the idea of naming is very important in the story. So we see that Jacob is cooking some stew in verse 29. Esau comes in, says, let me eat some of that red stew. Mm -hmm. And Jacob decides to try to deceive his brother by trading Esau's birthright, which is his right to be the you know the, the firstborn of the family, inheritance, that sort of stuff. Right for a meal. For a meal, and yeah. and and Esau says, "I'm about to die. Of what use is a birthright to me?" Sure. But he so he goes ahead and does it, swears it, and it says that Esau despised his birthright, and he'll actually get the name later on of Edom, mm-hmm. and Edom just literally means like red stuff. So he's like, ah, give me some of that red stuff, and so then now he's known forever <laughs> as as red stuff guy. Um, really weird, but he also is red, reddish. sounds like he's, he's red when he came out of the, out of the womb, but, right. but yeah, so the nation of Edom is going to come from Esau, but mm-hmm. we see that they despise God's promise. They don't care about the covenant with, with Abraham. Right. Um, now I, or, uh, I should say Jacob cares about it way too much. So he's deceiving, he's manipulating and his whole life is going to go this way. Mm-hmm. But before we, we actually, this little interlude in chapter 26, where we see, this interaction between God and Isaac. Mm-hmm. And what we see in that first section there is that God is reiterating the promise of Abraham to Isaac. Right. So he's given the same promise to Isaac, the same promise of a land of blessing of offspring, all the same things we've seen of seed. Um, and then we see in the following section that not only does Isaac receive the promise of Abraham, but Isaac also follows in the footsteps of Abraham. Right. So he's, he does the exact same thing that Abraham did when Abraham lied about who his wife was, mm-hmm. right? And, and he, he endangers his wife, actually with one of the same guys that, that, that Abraham did that <laughs> with, <laughs> at least the same name, um, which is just absolutely bizarre. So he says, oh, I'm not, no, I'm not married to her. And then she gets brought into a harem and it causes all these problems. Right. But this, we see the same patterns, right? And God is still merciful. And actually he causes... Isaac to get wealthy through this interaction or wealthier through this right. interaction. So God is still blessing him, even though Isaac is That's, a it's, total mess. Yeah, it's it's so funny. It's like like man in, in his depravity hasn't changed much, you know, even a, a generation hasn't changed. But also, and more importantly, God's plan hasn't changed. And God's goal of bringing blessing through this family hasn't changed. That's right. And so it's pretty cool to see the cons- we can be sure as we read through the Old Testament that God is going to continue on his mission to make this covenant with his people uh, be fulfilled. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely. So then in 27, we see 
it, it, it kind of goes back to the story of, of Jacob, mm-hmm. right? And Jacob, again, he's de- he deceived his brother for the birthright, and he's going to keep deceiving. And I think you could kind of sum up Jacob's story as he's just looking for love in all the wrong places. Amen. Right? Like, and that's kind of really cheesy, but he's, he's looking for some, some sort of meaning and fulfillment in life. And so he starts with the birthright, then he moves to the blessing. Right. So this blessing that the father would give is a sign of, of the, uh, his love to his child mm-hmm. and of the future of the child. And it was, it was a big deal. Yeah. So Jacob, through his mom's leading, decides to deceive his father. And he does it by dressing up, right? By disguising himself, by putting on Esau's clothes. Yeah, put some fur on his hands. Yeah, he, he literally, they kill a goat and put the goat's hair on his body, like on his neck. <laughs> I'm like, man, Esau, like if, <laughs> if Esau was that hairy, like he really did need to manscape a little bit, okay? Like I'm usually against that. Just but, let it go. Let oh go. man, like what is going on? Um, but he dresses up and he's, he's looking for a way to manipulate his, his father into blessing him. Yeah. And, and his mom's, you know, you know, right along with him in this whole process, right? Yeah. His yeah. mom is, is the ringleader. She's cheering it on for sure. Crazy. But I, I do think that in this story, as I read this, I think about <clears throat> how much this is like us, mm. you know, not to stretch it too far, but I, I think how many of us will dress a certain way, will act a certain way, will speak a certain way. I mean, it starts when you're young, like, you know, probably middle school or high school, you've learned that you have to have to like certain things or dress in a certain way in order to get people to like you. Right. And we all do this, right? We all try to manipulate blessing in some form out of others. Mm-hmm. And, and our parents are often one of the biggest sources of that, right? We really believe that if our parents love us, that will be happy. And of course we all want our parents to love us, but I guess today we would call this kind of like daddy issues, right? That's kind of the, okay. the slang term for it or whatever. But uh, yeah, this is, we really desperately want our, our parents to bless us. And what, what Jacob's going to see is that this way of going about it is totally wrong. Right. And, and the crazy thing is uh, he didn't need the blessing of his father, right? Right. He, Cause they already had the blessing of God. Yeah, I mean, yeah, God was like, you're <laughs> going to be the one who's going to lead. You're going to be the one who's yeah. going to have the promise of the offspring through your line. And Jacob doesn't trust in that promise. All right. So it's, it's a tragic stage in the story, and it leads to more division in the family. Right. Right. I mean, so when, when he steals the blessing and Esau comes in later and, and he's, he's got his, his meat fresh off of his, his smoker, you know, and he's, he's bringing this pulled pork to his dad. And his dad says, I, I already blessed somebody. It wasn't you. Right. And I don't have a second blessing. I don't really know why. But I think maybe at this point, Isaac realized God was kind of yeah. giving justice to exactly. him. He should have been blessing Jacob. Yeah, I agree. But, uh, but yeah, so, so, so Esau wants to murder Jacob. That's a, honestly a logical conclusion. Makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Jacob kind of has it coming. <laughs> but, so, so anyway, so in, in 28, <clears throat> we see that Jacob swivels from looking for, for blessing from his father to looking for blessing from romance. Right. Right. Yeah, so he, he, he flees, he goes to Laban again, right? He's, yeah. This guy's introduced back into the story. Yeah. So his uncle Laban, he goes and Laban has got a smoking hot daughter and Jacob, Jacob's meets her and he falls in love. Right. Yeah. Um, well, we should say, first of all, though, an important thing before we get to that is in the midst of all this striving, um, Jacob actually has an encounter with God. Uh, yeah, and and for for a guy who is looking for 
meaning and fulfillment. Like this is this is exactly what he he needs, right? So God actually appears to him at uh, as he's in his travels, right? As he's going to to his uncle, and he God appears to him. So this is twenty eight. We're looking at verses yeah. ten and following. Jacob's ladder. Yeah, and so he dreamed. Verse twelve. He dreamed. Well, first of all, he slept. He went to sleep and he slept on a stone. Which when, is rough. Yeah, I know. You always hear this stuff in the Bible, but like sleeping on rocks, put a rock under your head. Yeah. I, mean, I don't get it. I've never tried. Like not putting if a rock any of you have better. ever tried, please talk to us. I would like to hear how that went for you. Super, so strange and a weird detail. But verse 12, as he dreamed, there was a ladder set up on the earth and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God were ascending and descending on it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord your God, the God of Abraham, your, your father, and the God of Isaac. The land on which you lie, I will give to you and your offspring. So he gives him this incredible promise, and God's reiterating to him uh, mm. all the promises given to Abraham. Right. And he and he comes. It's, it says ladder. It's probably more of a stair stairway. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's why you know stairway to heaven. Right. Comes to mind, obviously. But he's he's saying to to Jacob, "I'm going to do good to you, even as you're leaving from the promise, even as you're going away from your family." I will establish you. I will give you this land. Right. So don't forget that. And he says, verse 15, behold, I am with you and will keep you wherever you go mm. and will bring you back to this land for I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. So, I mean, God is saying, wherever you go, you, you're the one who's holding this promise and I'm going to be with you. And Jacob's response to that amazing promise is... <laughs> Wow, this is a magical rock. <laughs> like that's like he says, surely this is verse 16. Surely the Lord is in this place and I didn't know it. Right? He th- he totally misses the point. God's saying, wherever you go, I'll be with you, I'll bless you, I'll keep you, and I'll establish you. And he says, this must be a magical portal to heaven. Right. So he names it the house of God, Bethel, right? Completely misses the point, which is it doesn't matter where you go. It matters is God with you. Right. And God is, is, is fighting for, for Jacob, even as Jacob is completely lost. Right. And you'll see this theme throughout the rest of his story, right? Yeah, absolutely. So we see the romance <clears throat> in 29. Um, Rochelle. The, yeah, Rachel and Leah. And, um, I, I, you know, he, basically what happens is he's sort of bargaining for, he falls in love with Rachel and he's sort of bargaining with Laban, her dad, to, to marry her. And Laban, right, takes this guy who had tricked his father by disguising himself in certain clothes and he disguises his daughter Leah right. and sneaks her in instead of Rachel. Good old switcheroo. Yeah, round two. That's why you don't <laughs> you don't get tipsy at your wedding, I guess. Watch um, out, yeah, gentlemen, and stay, <laughs> stay sharp. Yeah, so she sneaks him, sneaks he sneaks Leah in, and so the tricks the trickster gets tricked, right? Jacob the deceiver gets deceived, and he wakes up, and and it's behold, it says it's it's Leah. Yeah, and he, the guy worked seven years for this, right? Yeah, he's like he's working he's working super hard. Big deal here, and and it's it's the wrong thing. And I love what Tim Keller says about this, right? Which is that we often you know strive in so many ways, we work so hard to succeed in so many ways, and we think that when we get to that place, we'll finally be fulfilled. Mm-hmm. And he says, and you wake up in the morning, and it's always Leah. It's always Leah. Which sorry to Leah, I'm sure she's a great saint up in heaven, but. That idea of that from Jacob's perspective of he didn't he didn't want this right and he's disappointed again because everything he does didn't doesn't get him what he wants right so he decides to he, he agrees with Laban to work seven more years for for Rachel he, he gets two wives them two wives for the price of two wives I guess but um, <laughs> this is by the way this is bad plugging me is, plugging me is bad yes it is. in case you haven't touched on that 
And then we see the, the basically the womb warfare happening, right? Um, I don't know. What I else gave to call him a child, it, and then yeah. I didn't give him a child. I have another child, you know, from Leah, obviously. Yeah. Uh, and then, oh, sh- uh, I'm not bearing children anymore, so I'm going to give my handmaid to him. Like, like oh, I'm going to no. give my handmaid to him. And, <laughs> and then it's like, well, I got some mandrakes, which is like an aphrodisiac. I'll trade you mandrakes right. for sleeping with my husband. And oh, wow, what a mess! It's crazy. What, a, what an awful thing. The fact that you know that you know Jacob had to like have scheduled nights for each wife. That's you just know someone's wrong at that point. <laughs> yeah, this if you like uh, yeah, if you can't see that this is a completely dysfunctional system, I don't know what to tell you. Yeah, cuz a lot of people will bring up these stories like non-believers will be like, "Look, the Bible endorses this kind of thing." It's like, "Read the story. Please <laughs> just read a the complete story. disaster." <laughs> yeah, and I love I love that like even in the midst of all this, I was kind of sad, but when Rachel even finally has a son, because of how much strife there is, she names him Joseph. So in verse 30, chapter 30, <clears> verse 24, says she'd called him Joseph, which means may he add, saying, may the Lord add to me another son. Mm-hmm. So when Rachel finally has a son, she's just thinking about having another son. Right. Never satisfied. It's, just, it's so yeah. sad, right? And there's actually this interlude, kind of this short story about, about Leah in chapter 29, the unloved wife, that is so powerful. I, just, I think this is important to, to slow down and see here. Um, and what happens is she's having these these sons, and she actually is given sons, and Rachel, her sister, isn't. Right. So she's doing what is so important in that culture and bearing children, and she feels significance in that. But every single time, you can tell that she's still yearning for something, mm-hmm. right? So she names the first son Reuben. Yeah, she's which desire means, of her husband, right? So, yeah, she yeah. wants she wants her husband to love her. She she gets the in chapter twenty nine verse. 32, Leah conceived and bore a son, and she called his name Reuben, which means see a son. That's mm-hmm. what Reuben means. See? Yeah. Look, a son. And and she said, because the Lord has looked upon my affliction, for now my husband will love me. Yeah, exactly. That's it right there. Yeah, and then yeah. again, she says, oh, the, the Lord, she has another son. She says, the Lord has heard that I'm hated and has given me this son also, and she called him Simeon, which means heard. So God's God's going to fix my problem by giving me mm-hmm. a son. And then the third the third time, I'm just looking at the desperation in this with Levi, right? She says, now this time my husband will be attached to me because I have borne him three sons and called his name Levi, which means attached. And so we see this like constant striving and yearning Mm -hmm. for, just like Jacob, right? For something that she can't find. Right. And then the last one though, it says she conceived again and bore a son and said, this time I will praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah, which means praise. And she ceased bearing. I love that. Like God, you can see in just a few sentences how God worked in her story. Right. Even the names of her children that, that God was working to, to change her heart, to understand that her satisfaction wasn't in her identity and her worth wasn't in what she was doing or the children she was bearing, but it was in, it was in God. Right. So I, I just, I love that little snapshot in the midst. Of course, it goes right back to right. all of the competition. <laughs> uh, but, but that little snapshot just is a good reminder for us of where our worth lies. So Jacob's tried... He's tried deception and, and getting the, the birthright, the blessing, romance. his father's love, romance. And so now he's kind of getting older. He's going to become a little more cynical and just become the you know, <clears throat> cynical businessman. Mm. He's just going to be in it for yep. the cold, hard cash. Okay? Right. So now he moves to, to wealth. And as he's working for Laban, he's striving to manipulate the situation to get more wealth from Laban. So it's a long story. We won't go into the details. But basically, Laban keeps agreeing with him to give him you know, this wage, he'll give him the, the speckled or spotted or the yeah. striped sheep, whatever, you know. And then Laban uh, takes the males. And, yeah, he'll uh, just like, he, Laban's trying to, trying, to, trying to make this work in his favor. And Jacob keeps 
um, Jacob keeps doing these things to try to control what he can't control. So he'll like strip these sticks, these sticks down and like it's all <laughs> spotted and science. Oh, yeah, science. like and if I stick the stick in while they're mating, <laughs> that'll make them turn out a certain color. It's just crazy. But God is blessing him in spite right. of, uh, of all this. But but he's still manipulating. And then in 32, we see, uh, well, first of all, Jacob runs from Laban. Yeah, he flees, right? He's just like, I'm out. Yeah. But then in 32, we kind of get to the, the peak of the story, which is where Jacob finds out that Esau is coming for him. So Esau, who he hasn't seen in a long time. Right. And Jacob's family is pretty big right now. Yeah. It's a yeah. massive family. And so, I mean, he's he is freaked out, right? And really, we see this as like the chickens are coming home to roost. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, Jacob has done bad things, and now he's going to pay the price for it. Right, his brother's going to kill him. Yeah, kill this him. is this is bad. So what he does is he divides his family into two different camps and all his possessions. And his thought is, well, if they, <laughs> if they come and kill this half of the family, then this half will survive, which is really sad. But um, but we also see Jacob pray here. Yeah, he prays to God for the first time. He invokes the promises that God has given to him, and he he seeks God, which is a rare thing for Jacob to do. Right. Um, but he truly is desperate here. We see him um, sending these herds. So he'll, he'll, he'll take a bunch, a big flock, and send it forward to to, to Esau to, as a gift, right? And he's trying to appease his brother in mm-hmm. some way. And it actually actually says that, right? In verse verse 20, he thought that I may, I may appease him with the present that goes ahead of me. And afterwards, I'll see his fa- face. Perhaps he will accept me. It's the same, same Jacob, right? Still trying to manipulate the situation. Right. But he's afraid. I mean, verse 11, he says to God, I, I fear him. Mm-hmm. I'm afraid. This is, this is going to be bad. And so it ends up with Jacob in the dark. Right? Verse 22 says it was night. And then verse 24 says he was alone. Mm-hmm. So he's left alone in the dark. And he begins to fight. A random guy. Random guy. Yeah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, uh, there's a man who's wrestling with him all night long bizarre bizarre thing and I'm which is sure. a pretty impressive feat for jacob if, if you wrestled anybody like i was just talking to uh, mikey johnson uh the guy who leads our youth and he used to be a wrestler in high school and he was telling me that most matches are like whatever around five minutes you know or whatever and after that you're just gassed like you've ran a marathon you're just oh, done yeah. that's five minutes yeah <laughs> this is all night he's a wrestling match <laughs> yeah but this is i mean this is how jacob lives his life striving right. straining doing the hardest thing possible and so eventually this man touches his hip socket, puts his hip out of joint. So we see that even the, the finger of this, this being, this man who's wrestling with him, is incredibly powerful. And Jacob all of a sudden realizes just who he's dealing with, that he's been wrestling with God. Right. Which, again, is the metaphor for his entire life. Right. He's fighting with God. He's, he's, he's struggling against God. But th- at this moment, he says something that's just truly amazing. Verse 26. Mm-hmm. Right, so, so God says to him, let me go for the day has broken. But Jacob said, I will not let you go unless you bless me. I will not let you go unless you bless me. And I love this because through all of the striving for blessing, for meaning, for purpose, all of these things, Jacob had fallen short. Right. But then at the end, he encounters God and he realizes he has to take hold of God. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he can't let God go unless God blesses him. In other words, he's come to the point where he realizes what it all was about. Mm-hmm. All those things that he was after were not fulfilling, but God gives meaning to his life and God can actually bring real blessing. 
Right. And uh, this is almost a turning point, too. And we still see Jacob make mistakes after this, obviously. But we start to see God changing the people in the story, right? That's God, right. And it's it's an awesome thing to see. That's, yeah, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. So he calls he changes his name from Jacob Deceiver to Israel, which is which means God fights. Mm-hmm. Could mean God fights with him or God fights for him. Maybe it's a little bit of both. I don't know. Right. But um, he's changed his, his identity. Right. Right. Because he says you've, you've striven with God and with men and have prevailed. So, so, so J- Jacob is blessed. He's, he's becomes Israel and God is setting the stage for him to become a, a, a mighty nation. Yeah. Amen. So that's kind of, I mean, we, we, we'll kind of, you know, just sum up the rest of it, but Jacob meets Esau. He deceives him again. Jacob like, deceives Esau. Jacob again. deceives Esau. Yeah, again, yeah right? exactly. He's still the same guy. Sure, I'll come yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll, come, I'll come to your house. Yeah. Oh no, go. Just go ahead. Don't wait for me. We'll, we'll be catching up. We'll be, stop at this rest stop real quick. And then he just books it in the opposite direction. Does that does that end up well for uh, Jacob? I mean, we never really see an interaction with, <laughs> with Jacob and Esau after this. So, I, I, who knows? Who knows if Esau wanted to kill him or not? But in chapter thirty-four, we see a, just a horrible situation where one of Jacob's. Oh yeah, this is what is, I mean. Is it, is it going to bow well for Jacob where he's going? Oh yeah, no, he should not go to Shechem. But in Shechem, <laughs> um, his daughter Shechem. Dina is raped by um, by one of the princes, basically of, of Shechem, <clears throat> mm-hmm. and and uh, he or in this in this town. So the, the man's name is Shechem, and uh, basically the the man wants to marry her. So the the brothers Simeon and Levi who are the second and third oldest, respectively, right? They come up with the idea of, oh, let's have them all get circumcised. What a horrible way to go out. Yeah, <laughs> let's all, have them all get circumcised. And then, that, that, so they're like, yeah, great deal. You get circumcised, we'll, we'll let you guys marry our, our family, you know? And then when they all are in their fever on like the third day or whatever of, <laughs> of being circumcised, they go in and just slaughter all of them. Right. So, by the way, it is, it is a bad thing to punish innocent people for the crimes of others, right? It's bad to take over a city by force and, you know, slaughter innocents. Right. This is, I mean, this is a war crime. Right. It's an awful thing. So Jacob is, <clears throat> is reaping the fruit of that. And we also see an interaction before this with Reuben sleeping with one of Jacob's right. concubines. Yeah. So all the top three sons, Reuben's the oldest, all those top three sons are in a, in a really bad place. Right. And that'll be important for next time. But we'll, we'll stop there. There's a lot... There's a lot here, so we'll, we'll stop there for now. Yeah, so, so as always, how does the gospel uh, reveal itself in these passages? Obviously, Jesus Christ is not explicitly talked about, but how is the gospel, the good news truth of Christianity, how is it seen even from afar from these verses? Yeah, so I think one of the things we see where, where this story actually comes in explicitly is in Romans chapter 9. So Paul takes the story of Jacob and Esau, and he uses that as a metaphor for God's love for us. Right. It, uh, God's uh, totally unmerited, undeserved love. Right. So what we see in in Genesis in Romans nine is in verse ten it says not only so, but also when Rebecca had conceived children by one man, our forefather Isaac, though they were not yet born and had done nothing either good or bad, in order that God's purpose of election might continue, not because of works, but because of him who calls. She was told the older will serve the younger, as it is written, Jacob I have loved, Esau I hated. Right. So this is this is a reminder of God's love for you is totally undeserved. Right. And and you're like Jacob. God comes to you when you have you want nothing to do with him. Mm-hmm. When you're not seeking for him and God <clears throat> comes and changes your heart. Right. And he does that in an unexpected way it's for the, no apparent reason. Yeah, it's the greatest one of the greatest examples of God's love for his people is this. That yeah. remember like Jacob is not someone worthy of love either, you know, at all. We've just gone over like how horrible of a guy he was. But yet God still loved him. 
That's right. That's right. So that, that's, that's one example of God's unmerited love. And then we also see this story come in in John chapter 1, uh, a very a different part of the story. But the, uh, the whole Jacob's ladder or the stairway to heaven comes in John chapter 1 where John is meeting his first disciples. Sorry, Jesus is meeting his first disciples. And he says in, in John one fifty one, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, you will see heaven opened and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. So he uses the same language from Jacob's ladder, from that story, to refer to himself. That there's this stairway to heaven, God's at the top, and Jesus himself is the ladder. Right. And this, this points us to what Jesus' function is in his salvation story. Mm. It's not that he's at the bottom of the ladder, inviting you to hold his hand and climb up with him and try really hard to get to God. It's not that he's at the top of the ladder saying, if you were only better, you could, you could you know, be up here with me. Right. It's not the, the, like the five pillars of Islam or the customs and laws of Judaism, mm-hmm. right, which say work harder, do more, and right. you'll be accepted. Jesus himself is the ladder. He's the way that we are connected to God. He's the pathway to know God. And so Jesus connects himself to that story to say, um, the hope that Jacob had was ultimately me, that I could connect him to, to God, that I could be God with him, even, even as now I'm God with us, right? God with us as, as Christians. Right, yeah. Well, amen to that. Um, I think we're out of time, right? I think so. Awesome. Well, um, thanks for joining us on Daily Gospel. Uh, we hope it's edifying to you, and uh, we'll see you next week. Thanks.